Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Friday, December the 4th. I'm Tom Tilly. And I am Jan Fran. Happy Friday to all of you. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast while you're exercising, you're going to love today's briefing topic. We talk about the runner's high. It's, it's definitely a, a phenomenon. The chemicals that are released, they say, are very similar to the same chemicals that you get when you use heroin or, or marijuana. Ooh, that is a high. There is a boom in running, apparently. <laughs> is that a good thing? Well, look, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide. I'm just, I'm just going by what he said. But what we know is that there's been a boom in running during the pandemic, mm. of course. We're going to find out what it actually does for us, what it does for our mental health and our physical health. Yeah, and how to avoid injuries. Of course. Yeah, that's our briefing topic. First, here are the big news stories of the day. Plans to reopen Australia by Christmas maybe could be delayed after a Sydney hotel quarantine worker caught COVID-19. Yeah, the woman who worked at two Darling Harbour hotels is the state's first case of community transmission in 25 days. We were doing so well, weren't we? Well, That's all technically right. we still are. We still are. That's all right. Yes, be alert, not alarmed. Uh, New South Wales is meant to wind back restrictions uh, on Monday and Premier Gladys Berejiklian says, look, at this stage, the state is still on track. This is a very serious situation, but one at this stage we feel uh, we're managing. Yeah, those restrictions that are being wound back, by the way, involve being able to stand up at a pub, which I personally am really looking forward oh, to. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board I at pub stand. I love standing up. You can have a more <laughs> dynamic conversation. You can switch one to the next. It's a good scene that I want to be a part of. Um, last night, the health minister, Brad Hazard, confirmed the woman's family have tested negative. Um, that's obviously a very good bit of news. Uh, she caught the train and light rail to and from her shift, but he's hoping the virus wasn't spread. The lady has indicated... Uh to our public health team that uh, she did wear a mask uh, on and off in the journey. Okay, that's good news. Earlier this week, Queensland reopened the border to New South Wales after 250 days. Um, At this stage, they are not reshutting it. However, WA Premier Mark McGowan says that his state's planned reopening on Tuesday... Look, is just watching that one. It could be in a little bit of doubt if there's an outbreak. We'll just see how big it is, uh, how many people are involved, whether they have it under control before we make a final decision. I expect that will be over the weekend. Yeah, so so far it's just this one woman. It hasn't turned into a bigger outbreak. And I think we need to take stock here and go, the whole country is watching one case Yeah, we're doing all right. We're doing all right. When up towards 3,000 people per day are dying in America... It's quite amazing that we're at this point where we're all sort of watching this so closely, but it's just one case of community transmission. It was interesting to note as well um, earlier this week, they did find traces of COVID in the sewage in northwest Sydney. So it has been lurking around and that's why we still need to be quite careful. The Prime Minister has weighed in on the movie about Port Arthur. I must say I am unnerved about the revisiting uh, of the Martin Bryant case. It's a long time ago, but it seems like a few days ago, even still, such was the horror. Yeah, Scott Morrison doesn't sound like he's into the movie, but he says that he won't stop it from happening. People will make films. That's OK in this country. That's fine. We allow. We think that's a good thing. Even if it unnerves a Prime Minister or many others, that's the society we live in. The stand production is being filmed in Victoria and earlier this week, Tasmania's Premier and the Mayor of Port Arthur spoke out against it. John Howard, who was the Prime Minister when it happened, says he won't dignify the project with a comment. 
while several Tasmanian politicians are now calling for a boycott. Yeah, it is still a very sensitive issue in the state, so I understand some of the reaction around it. We did reach out to Stan, the streaming service there, for comment, but we haven't received a response from them. President Donald Trump has slammed America's Attorney General for confirming that the Justice Department found no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the election. Well, he hasn't done anything, so he hasn't looked. When he looks, he'll see the kind of evidence that right now you're seeing in the Georgia Senate. You know, they're going through hearings right now in Georgia and they're finding tremendous volume, so they haven't looked very hard. Well, that's not really true. The FBI have investigated voter fraud and they haven't found any widespread voter fraud. Yeah, this is interesting, I think, because William Barr, Bill Barr, he, he's always been this very close ally of Donald Trump and he's always supported him. And, and this seems to be a divergence from that position quite publicly. He did say this week, quote unquote, that they have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome. This is coming from the Attorney General himself, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah, so Trump is still trying to sow this narrative, you know, about the election being stolen. But he has said this week that if he can't prove it, um, he is considering a 2024 campaign. Uh, he said this at a White House Christmas party this week. It's a little hard to hear, but uh, have a listen to this. Otherwise, yeah. I'll see you in another four years. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Look, if he did run in 2024, he'd be 78 years old, which is the same age as Joe Biden now. So, possible. Music to our ears, quite literally. Uh, live music's coming back with three major festivals announcing Queensland, South Australia and Victoria. Woo-hoo! Somebody toot that rave horn. <laughs> yeah, this includes the Inverted Festival on the Gold Coast in Queensland. That's happening in May next year. In Adelaide in SA, the Summer Sounds Festival will kick off on December 30, while in Victoria, Melbourne Music Week will kick off in five days. That's correct. You heard that. Five days. Mm. Melbourne's gone from a super tough lockdown to a music festival. Um, It's going to run for three months and it'll involve a whole bunch of live gigs around the city for summer. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a whole lot more music festival announcements coming up in the next few weeks as well, looking into... Hopefully it will be a really fun um, year next year. Yeah. The Vanga bus is coming. <laughs> also, we should note, every state's different, so please just keep on top of what the rules are for your states indoors and outdoors and whether you can sit and stand, etc. Yeah, you get the live music high, but coming up next, the runner's high. Hello to you if you are going for a run right now as you listen to the briefing. Uh, there's been a running boom in 2020, and Jan, even you've gotten into it in your own special way. Uh, ish. Yeah. Um, my partner and I did a pretty intense lockdown there when it was a bit hairy, and we bought a treadmill and we put it on the balcony and... <laughs> and didn't leave the apartment <laughs> for about eight leave. weeks. Correct. I sort of did the same thing with cycling. When the world was going completely sideways, it felt like the only bit of sort of satisfaction and, and progress I could get was getting out of my bike and just riding the same loop each day and trying to improve. Yeah. I think running has a whole thing of its own. People talk about the runner's high and it can take them somehow out of the the pain to a a really positive space. Yeah, and look, that's, you know, there's some of the reasons why people run. I think during the lockdowns, though, people took up running because it was the only thing that they were legally allowed to do in some states. And, you know, run we did. Yeah, the numbers back it up. Um, In New South Wales, government figures showed 
the number of people using running tracks and walking trails doubled during the height of the pandemic. Yeah, around the world as well, Strava, so that's one of the most popular exercise apps. They said that they saw their downloads almost double as the pandemic hit. And the fitness app RunKeeper reckons it saw a 667% rise in registrations. This is in Britain. Um, compared to the same time last year. Yeah, so in this briefing, we're going to find out why so many of us turned to running and what we got out of it, like what we really got out of it, not just the physical side, but the psychological, even the philosophical. Yeah, we're going to get deep in this briefing topic. We're also going to get pretty practical and give you some tips on how you can avoid an injury if you want to take up running. Yeah, John Connell takes it to that very philosophical place. He's an Irish farmer, a writer, and a runner, and he's written a book called The Running Book where he charts his mental and physical journey towards running his first marathon. He's just a few days out of another lockdown in the dark Irish winter. John, have you seen a lot more people running during the various lockdowns you've had there in Ireland? Absolutely. Well, with gyms closed, um, it's been a kind of a pansy and <laughs> pansy, really. People have, people have taken to the roads with gusto. It's been the one bit of liberty that we've had, uh, the, the government here have allowed us to exercise for as long as you like uh, within a 5k radius. Why do you think people are taking it up? I mean, the, the obvious answer to that question is because that's maybe the only thing that they can do. Do you think there's anything else going on there? I think at a time when we really don't have control of our lives, that the half an hour or an hour that you get to move is a small way to gain a little bit of a foothold on the control of your life because liberty really has been uh, removed here in Europe. So getting out for, for that uh, movement has, has allowed us to, yeah, feel like we have a, a certain amount of liberty and control in a time when, when there isn't any. And I think as well, uh, of course, running uh, releases, <laughs> it releases endorphins, so it makes mm. you feel better. John, your book called The Running Book um, takes a very, very poetic, romantic view of running as you, you're running through the fields of Ireland, building towards your, your first marathon. Your writing takes us to the establishment of the Roman Empire, the colonial explorers in the Blue Mountains of Australia, the ghosts of the Irish famine. Is that where your mind goes when you run? Do you take these euphoric leaps through time where you feel connected to the history of humanity? I think about everything. And I think in a way, when we're on a good run, uh, as I say in the book, you can see the soul of the world. But um, running in a landscape, um, Australia is exactly the same, that's full of stories. You can't help but... Uh, think of these things. And particularly when you're on a long run, you have to kind of distract yourself from the pain sometimes. So hmm. these things uh, pop in. And I suppose the book is sort of a stream of consciousness. I wanted people to know that, you know, you're not alone if you have a weird thought when you're when you're out running or an epiphany moment. And in a sense, the book was was about seeing the soul of the world, but also understanding that the ground we run upon and over has a story that maybe we don't realise. And in a sense, I'm talking about a small place in the middle of Ireland, but really wherever we run, there's a landscape and an architecture of stories that that, that run through it. So it's a funny um, duality in a way, because people say that endurance exercise also just really tanks you into the moment, that it blocks out the distractions of your life. But then on the other hand, all these other ideas from different points of time can flow through your mind. As you say, you could see the soul of the world. What what do you think is going on there with that that duality? You know, 
back a long time ago with the Greeks and, and Romans, I suppose, people would have practiced athletics as much as philosophy. And I think that the two can go hand in hand, that the mind, it's sort of a double thing, like an Orwellian thing. The mind can be completely clear and pure, but we can also access maybe a little bit of our higher selves. I suppose it's kind of a meditation in a way. It's it's an ability to, mm. to be in the moment, but also... Uh, understand that there are other things happening. Yeah. Jan, is that how you feel about running when you're on the treadmill on your balcony (laughs) hating yourself? I knew you'd ask me that because you could see my face. I have so much trouble with running, John. I don't feel that way at all. And actually, in your book, you talk so much. It's such a joyful book. You you seem to get a lot of joy. You're in a good place. Yeah, you're in a good place. How do you get to that place? (laughs) Because I'm in a bad place all the time. Yeah. To be honest, I would have being someone that would have suffered with some mental health difficulties and running was this um, amazing thing that I discovered to make me feel good and uh, that the book is really a love letter to exercise and sport and yeah. the the passion that it can bring to us all. And I think that in the modern world, we so often can think that, you know, sport is is only for the elites but it's for everyone um you know it's it's for everyone to discover and for everyone to discover uh, their joy even if it's one kilometer it's uh, it's an event that's just for you for for that moment john i'm going to take all of these wonderful learnings and apply them to my half an hour on the treadmill on my balcony <laughs> and i'm going to enjoy it damn it and connect to your inner usain bolt that's right well, that was John Connell, the author of The Running Book, and he, he really took that to a place, didn't he, Jan? He really did. <laughs> he took it everywhere. I think we need to bring up um, the soundtrack from Chariots of Fire after that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the soundtrack from a, an early 1980s film about two British runners training for the Olympics, a Christian and a Jew, overcoming prejudice. Right, I had no idea. Yeah. I'd never seen the movie. I didn't oh. actually know it was a movie. It's an amazing, an amazing movie. Um, I think to add to what John was saying about what running has given people during the toughest moments of the year, I think it was also about a sense of progress. Mm. That if you're out there improving yourself, you were moving your life forward when in, in so many other aspects, it felt like it was going sideways. Yeah, or had come to a complete stop. I mean, clearly it gives people a lot. Let's find out actually what the physiological processes and and why it can make people feel so euphoric and feel so many things beyond the pain. Warren Williams is the head coach of the Run Squad, which is one of the biggest recreational running groups in Sydney. Warren, we just heard John Connell take it to a very euphoric kind of philosophical place. He, he said he feels like he sees the soul of the world when he runs. Is that where you go <laughs> yeah. when you're running? Oh, absolutely. You know, I've been a runner now for 47 years since I was a teenager and, um, you know, run, running is a big part of my life and running, you know, re- really helps me with a, a lot of things like, you know, my, my mental health, my ability to cope with stress, my ability to deal with, with work and things like that. Um, you know, we talk about the runner's high. It's, it's definitely a, a phenomenon. The chemicals that are released when you run, they say are very similar to the same chemicals that you get when you use heroin or, or marijuana. Wow. Um, it's a relaxing you know, medication really running, I guess. It's it's very meditative. You see, you know, people might push push hard through a session, but at the end of it, they feel very, you know, elated and, and very happy with themselves. It builds self-esteem, builds confidence. Mm. So the same sort of um, 
empowerment that some of those drugs have over people when they become addicted. So people do become addicted to running. I, I myself have been addicted to running and a lot of the runners that I coach are very much addicted. How should we be running? Because if more and more people are taking it up, you know, I think it's important yeah. that they know the do's and don'ts basically. So if you're going to take up running, what's a good way to do it to make sure you don't get injured? Yeah, well, if you if you haven't ran before, it's a steady process and you don't just, you know, jump into running 10Ks every day for, you know, the, the first couple of weeks because you're going to end up either injured or just burnt out and you'll give it up because you won't like it anymore. You know, we, we hear about the um, couch to 5K sort of programs where people start out by, you know, doing sessions where they they run easy for a couple of minutes and then have a minute of walking and they slowly build up to be, being able to run for – 10 minutes and then, you know, next week maybe 15. Long-term runners, if they all of a sudden increase their volume by a lot, they run into a lot of different issues and usually small niggles start to appear and they try to run through them and those niggles become worse and, and then they've got an injury that keeps them out for quite a bit of time. And that, that happened through COVID. Like a lot of my runners increased volume because it was their only way of exercising and also it was – used by a lot of them as a, as a stress relief because of what they were going through at work with COVID or financially mm. and things like that. So they increased their volumes and, and all of a sudden they started to, to come up with injuries. So it seems it's like, one, take it slow, two, have an end goal in mind, and three, listen to your body if it's telling you that it's a little bit under strain. So they seem like hot tips. I think for yeah, me, what, what has been a really big barrier for me is actually mental I, I, I can't seem to focus mentally on the task. My body's up to scratch. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm only running 5K here, let's be real. But yeah. mentally I just, I, I really flail. Why? But but one just one point just to add to that is yep. that she is on a treadmill on a balcony. <laughs> so she's not running through, you know, That's Centennial true, Park. or Still yeah. running though. Well, uh, well, I'm not a real fan of treadmills because they bore me to death. It's like swimming up and down <laughs> in a swimming pool. Most of my my swimming, you know, when I'm training for a triathlon or when I have in the past has been out in the ocean. One of the big things with running is you, you know, you tie yourself up with a good group to run with. And I think the motivation of the other people and the peer support and the peer pressure. Mm, so it's um, a social you know, make, activity. The social activity makes you, it helps you to turn up. My running group is a real community. It's a, a big group. There's about 180 people in, in the group. And it's super supportive right through from the beginners to the elites. Um, and people just love being a part of that group. I think, you know, finding yourself a group of, group of uh, like-minded friends with similar ability to run with really helps rather than trying to do it on the, on the, on the balcony on a treadmill. Sure, <laughs> so, sure. So yeah. to get over the mental barrier, make it social. Yeah, yeah that's right. Make mm. it social, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, build self, self-esteem too. You got, you know, when you start pumping each other up and you find you're, you're getting PBs and your times are improving – you know, that self-esteem will keep you coming back and, and motivated to do more. Next time you've got those 90 runners there, Warren, can you tell them all <laughs> yeah. to listen to the briefing as they do it? <laughs> I, I will, yeah. Like um, and subscribe, so. rate a review, give us five stars. Thanks, Warren. That'll be much appreciated. <laughs> Not a problem. That was Warren Williams, the head coach of the Run Squad, which is one of the biggest recreational running groups in Sydney. And he had a hot tip for overcoming those mental barriers while running. Make it social. Unfortunately, mm. I hate people. What happens in that scenario? And no one's allowed on your balcony except you and your husband. There's no room. All right, before we go, Jen, our sponsor for the briefing is ComBank, uh, all about the can-do attitude. So we're going to send you into the weekend with our can-do moment of the week. Yes, it's a very fitness-based show today. We're going to continue with that theme from running 
to bikes, to secondhand bikes, to be precise. So right now, there are massive delays in importing parts too. Yeah, there's a massive delay in, in parts, bikes. There's been a massive cycling boom as well as a running boom. There you go. Um, look, it's taking ages to get parts into the country because of COVID, obviously. So one charity bike shop is fixing up all the bikes that it's got and it's giving them away to locals who need them most. Yeah, that's pretty cool. A, a bike can really unlock your life. It changes things up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, especially in a, a city like Bendigo, which you can actually get around quite easily. This group, Freewheeling Fun, um, says it's given them to refugees, single mums who want to get their kids to school, unemployed people, people who've gotten out of prison trying to make a fresh start. So that's pretty great thing to do. Good on you, legends. Can do. Have a great weekend. That goes to you too, Jan. Thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure. A Podcast One production.